I've been preparing a message this week, and since it's New Year's, it's something that God laid on my heart, and some things that I've been hearing, that I've been made aware of, and we've gone through, we have gone through a lot in this church, the people who, who come to this church that are members here, people who are in this community, you know, we have gone through some things and, you know, we're looking for a new beginning. We're looking for, we want to be pleasing to God because He's done so much for us. And we are a nation that has been under attack. <clears throat> this, like I've said many times before, this nation was started by God-fearing people. There are people who have come here from all over the world. I mean, from every corner of this earth. People are trying to get to America. People will swim. They will get on rafts. They will risk their lives to come from a communist place like Cuba just to try to get to the coast of Florida. Is there anybody leaving Florida trying to get to Cuba? Whether people are Christians or not, they want what America has to offer. America has been attacked by Satan for a while now. And over the past few years, I've seen it big time. Not only is America attacked, but individual Christians will be attacked as well. We all, if we're brave enough to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ, Satan takes notice. And he tries to stop us from doing it. The Word of God is critical. We, I've heard testimonies here recently from people here. The Word of God has been attacked. And I'm going to read some scripture to you. This might be familiar to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. We have darkness that's creeping in from all around. We have darkness in all kinds of places in this world that is trying to push the light away. Remember, if you do nothing, the bad things just happen on their own. Whether it's the example I used recently about the weeds in the garden, nobody goes out and buys weeds, seeds, and carefully plans out the weeds in their garden. You don't have to do anything. And in fact, if you do nothing, you will get weeds in your garden. You have to be prepared to stop what will take over. We need to be a people who are on the lookout. We need to be the people who know that darkness is there and that we are people of light. Now, I emphasize in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now, most every version of the Bible Will, has changed it to heavens, okay? Even the New King James. 
Every other version of the Bible has changed it to heavens. Is it a big deal? I think it is. The reason I say that is if you count the words, you count every single letter in the first verse of the Bible, and you count every single letter in the last verse of the Bible, it's the same number of letters. It's also the same number of consonants, which makes it the same number of vowels. You add an S to heaven, and you ruin that. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end, and that is a sign. And the way I see it, it's a sign that the first verse and the last verse, exactly the same number of letters in the English language. Now, this is a general statement that in the beginning, when was the beginning? We have no idea when the beginning was. You realize that we have an eternity that goes a whole long way that way? I mean, eternity, we, when we hear the word eternity, we think of future, right? You think of dying one day and going to heaven and you will be there for eternity. It's something you look forward to. But guess what? Eternity goes the other way just as far. All right, I'm going, why this is so important is if you can cause doubt in someone's mind at verse 1 and 2 of the Bible, you can cause doubt in the rest of it. If you can say the Bible is not factual because of all of the geology and the, and the astronomy and knowing all these things that we know now, then the Bible is not correct that this earth is so old but yet people will say the earth is only 6,000 years old. You will hear fine Christian people who will tell you that the earth is only about 6,000 years old. Where do they get that from? Do you know where, where, where they come up with this young earth thing? So you've got the young earth theorist. Then you have what I call spoken word creationist. <coughs> spoken word. God spoke it into existence, and it happened. When you read the account of Genesis chapter 1 in the first part of chapter 2, you're going to see that the word, Hebrew word bara, which means create, is used very sparingly. You will see another word, which is a, I think it's Asa, which means make. God made this. He put things in the right order, in the right place. He formed things. He didn't, he didn't create Adam's body. He formed it from the dust of the earth. But he created a living spirit by breathing his breath into him. Mankind was made and created. God, all right, what does it say? It says, also notice, look down through chapter 1. In your Bibles. Every verse, almost every single verse starts with and. That is called, and I mentioned it uh, a few months back, it's called a polysyndeton. Poly meaning many. Syndeton would be a conjunction, the word and. And when you see that, you, and you mostly see it in the King James Bible, you're probably not going to see it in other versions. They, they lose this. It's a figure of speech called a polysyndeton. There is a syndeton. A means not or no. 
If you have a in front of a word, it will make it not that. Poly means many. The reason that the Bible is written this way is so that you understand that each and everything that it's talking about, and this, and, 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 slows you down. And it's to show you that you are to focus on each and everything equally. Everything is very significant. Now, there are cases in the King James Bible where, where you will see, like in Luke 14, I think it's verse 13, and then down in 21, you will see where you're, you're, you're to go out and, and invite people to the wedding supper. And it says, don't go out and invite your friends and all the people you know, but go out into the, you know, the maim and the, the poor and, the, and all. And it says, go out and invite. And it, and it lists all those people you are to invite, and there's no ands in between each one. Because it is pushing you through to the climax of what he's telling you to do which is to get guests to the supper. To the, to, you want to get people to Jesus. He is the main focus. So it's boom, 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 boom. But then you get down to 21, and it talks about it again. It says for each one of those types of people, it says and, 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 and. So in the same chapter of Luke, you have both cases. So when people say, well, you need to fix that in the King James Bible because it's not proper English, show them Luke 14, 13 and 21. Well, they got it right here according to what you think is proper English, and then they messed it up here. They obviously know what they're doing. There's a reason for it. Don't mess with the Word of God. Don't mess with it. It's perfect the way it is. Now, why is it so important? I just gave you a little hint, and I'm going to read something to you. It's a couple paragraphs, and it says, The first chapter, this is out of uh, John Phillips' commentary series, Exploring Genesis. And I I read hardly none of this in my preparation for all this. This is usually my go-to. When I'm I'm preparing a sermon, I'm going to go to a John Phillips' commentary. Michelle can tell you how many books were laid out on our dining room table. And I never opened this up until late last night. The first chapter of Genesis is one of the most God-centered chapters in the Bible. God is mentioned by name 32 times in 31 verses. Add to that the use of personal pronouns, and he, he, capital H, is mentioned no less than 43 times. Thus, on the very first page of Scripture, the Holy Spirit brings us into the presence of God and keeps us there. No wonder Satan hates that chapter. No wonder he has brought up his heavy artillery to discredit it in the minds of men. If you abandon Genesis 1 as unfactual and unreliable, as mere mythology, as a doctored-up copy of the Babylonian creation epic, which I read about in, in my uh, another Bible that I have, I had no idea what it was until I read about that, as totally unacceptable to modern science, then Satan has won. If you allow that to happen, Satan has won. He has caused doubt in the minds of the people who once held the Bible so dear and near to their heart. And if you can get let Satan have his way and you throw science in there and you throw all the geology and all this stuff and, and you can start causing doubt 
then it will cause doubt in the rest of the Bible. If the Holy Spirit cannot be trusted when he tells of creation, how can he be trusted when he tells of salvation? If what he says about earth in Genesis 1 can be questioned, then what he says about heaven in Revelation 22 can be questioned. If the Holy Spirit cannot be trusted in Genesis 1, how can he be trusted in John 3.16? You see it? You see why... I can get on a, in an argument with a fellow Christian brother about how old the earth is. And people will say, why would you want to fight over something like that? It really doesn't mean that much to your salvation. Really. Think about it. What did I just read to you? Satan wants to get you doubting the Word of God. I think that the main reason behind most other versions of the Bible, there's some other ones that are good, but there's plenty of versions of the Bible, and I have showed you. Because I, I, I will never go to somebody and say, uh, you shouldn't be reading that one, you should read this one, as far as versions go. I just go to places in the Bible that I know they're different, and I read it and ask them to follow along. I want them to see it for themselves. It works way better that way. Don't be confrontational about it. You don't need to be. Just be very confident in the, in the King James Bible. And when you have someone using a different one, you can just... Hildreth saw it many times at the jail. Where guy, and, and, I, and, I, and I would ask quite often, you know, what do we have out here? Well, I got the NIV, I got the New Living, I got this. But anybody who was there for any length of time, they eventually brought a King James in there. <laughs> It's just that's because they saw it. I remember when old, old Bob Collins saw it. When he saw, and I had showed it to him, and he was like, oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah. He did he just, and then we were just studying something else. We were in Revelation chapter 22, and, and I showed him bright morning star, son of David, and it was a comma. I said, see how they left the comma out, and now it looks like this, that, and the other. And he went, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And the light came on. So it is important. So where does this argument come from? Where does it come from? We know it comes from Satan trying to discount the Bible. So how do you explain to people, if someone comes to you and says, well, what about the dinosaurs? What about all those prehistoric animals? What about the fossils that the scientists say are one billion years old? How do you answer that? The Bible answers it for you. You just need to know the Bible and have confidence in the Bible. Okay? Why did Christians back in the day, and I'm talking, let's just say 1600s, 1700s, why did they never even think about it? And why is it that in the, in the mid-1800s, all of a sudden, this all came about? Something very significant happened in 18, I believe it was 1859. A man named uh, Darwin, who didn't even believe what he did. He put all the uh, evolution stuff together, and then he realized, you'd have to be an idiot to believe this. But he gets the credit for all of it. He, wasn't, he, he, he knew that you had to have too much faith. You, you, you could, how could a person have that much faith to believe in evolution? Okay? Preachers, Bible teachers, this, that, and the other, they were all of a sudden found their backs against the wall trying to explain geology. Well, 
When I read the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then, and is really important. Have you heard of the gap theory? Anybody heard of the gap theory? I was reading bylaws because we just did our bylaws recently, right? And I'm reading in the bylaws of a local church that I won't name, but in their bylaws it actually says that they reject the gap theory. What's the gap? What's a gap theory? Most people don't even know what I'm talking about, and depending on who you get your definition from, you're going to get a different answer for what it really is. Are there gaps in the Bible? Are there gaps in the Bible? Think about it. What's one that stands out to you? Hmm? Micah to Matthew. What'd you say? So you have a 400-year gap from Malachi to Matthew. There's nothing said in the Bible about the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. It's 400 years, so did the 400 years not happen? Well, the Bible don't talk about it. It must not have happened. Really? I think it happened. What about, Todd brought this one up the other day when we were talking about it. I, I, he, said, he said, what about the time from Jesus being 12 years old in the temple to 30 years old? Did he just skip all those years? It didn't really happen? Oh, it happened. He grew up. He was tempted in all points like we are. He grew up a teenager. So is, are you going to discount Jesus and, and his life between 12 and 30? Because it's not spoken about in the Bible? There's another gap. Now here's, here's one. Here's another one that's very significant. You can see how many places I got marked. So I need a marker to mark my markers to know which one I'm supposed to go to first. So I'm going, I'm going to Luke. I'm just going to read a little bit out of Luke, and I'm pretty sure I've got it marked. It's marked in this Bible. I got two Bibles because I ran out of places to mark, so I had to get my other Bible, and I got it marked here. Luke 4. And you don't have to turn to these places. I mean, if you know where it is and you, you, you want to see if you can keep up and you want to turn to them, turn to them. But I'm not going to read a whole lot out of everywhere I go. And a lot of these I, that I, if I get to today, chances are I won't get to a lot of this today. But we're, we'll, over the next few weeks, we will be reading a whole bunch of scripture that goes along with the story of creation. And it is cool as it could be. You're going to love it. In Luke 4, starting with verse 16, this is talking about Jesus. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Because, because that's why he did it. He stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. If you have a King James Bible, it says Isaiah, but that is actually Isaiah. You know, if the new versions would just do those things, I would probably be okay with it. If they would change Isaiah, because it's Greek and Hebrew and names are spelt differently. If, it was, if they would just do that, fine, but they've got to mess it up in all these other places. But anyway, Isaiah... And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stops. Everybody who was in that synagogue knew there was more to that. You may not, because you may not know Isaiah very well. But he gets to that point. Look at, I don't know if you have read, uh, words of Christ in red. But in 19 it says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then it says, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Think about that. Jesus read out of Isaiah, and then he said, after everybody was staring at him, he said, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. All right, which scripture is he talking about? You know it's in Isaiah. Isaiah 61. They didn't have uh, chapters and verses in their Bibles, but we do. And I think it's good that we do. And notice... This is in the first two verses. Remember what I just read to you, what Jesus uh, read out of Isaiah. And this is what he was reading. This is what he was referring to. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to, unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord... But look, it's in the middle of a verse. Why didn't he finish it? Why didn't Jesus should know that it said after the Lord, right in the middle of what is a verse to us today, it says, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Why didn't he read that part? Because he just said this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. If he would have read the other part, that would have been wrong. There's a gap. His first coming and his second coming. How many years separate his first coming from his second coming? How many years? How many years has it been so far? Over 2,000. How many years is it going to be? If you have a guess, go ahead, but nobody knows. It could be tomorrow. It could be another 1,000 years from now. There's a gap right here in one verse. You see it? There is a gap in one verse. And right now, it's over 2,000 years of a gap. So are there gaps in the Bible? Yeah, there's plenty more. I thought three would be sufficient. Is there a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-3? Or even 1-2? Is there a gap? How big is the gap? We don't know. Now, I looked at all kinds of older church fathers, people that I admire from years gone by, and most of the older ones, that's just how, if you look at a commentary or how they explain Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, they will tell you, just like what I've been taught, what I believe is, there is God, when, when God creates something, when he's done creating it, it's perfect. Okay? 
That means that when, in the beginning, he created the heaven, which there's three heavens. There's the heavens that the birds fly around in. Then there's the heaven, like our universe, that the earth sits in. And then there's the third heaven that Paul went to. Didn't know if he was in body or spirit. Couldn't really tell, but he knew he was in the third heaven. That's how we know there's three heavens, because Paul says he was in the third heaven. So we have. And heaven is just a general term. We call the heaven we want to go to one day heaven. And then we call uh, you know, our uh, space area where the planets are, we call that something different. And then, th- then we have a sky. Well, the Bible doesn't say sky, solar system, and then the heaven where God is. It just calls them each a heaven. Make sense? Okay. So... When it says created the heaven, it's just a general statement of our solar system and the earth. It's obvious he created all the other stuff too. But he's zeroing in on where we live on this earth. He made the earth special. When the earth was first created, it was not formless and void and darkness. It wasn't that way. He made it according to... Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45, verse 18, you want to write these down, you might have to come, come to me later and I can just, maybe I'll make copies of all this because it's a whole lot. For thus saith the Lord, this is Isaiah 45, 18, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, yeah, he created all of them, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So when he creates, when he created Lucifer, he was perfect. Now, the earth was created and it was inhabited way before Adam and Eve. Does that sound different to you? Is that freaking you out yet? And angels inhabited the earth. Well, that's strange. Turn to Isaiah 14. You you probably need to turn to that. Isaiah 14. So out of Isaiah, and then we're going to be going to Ezekiel 28. And by reading these two places in Scripture, you will see that Satan, well, he was Lucifer then. Again, another reason why I like the King James Bible. Because Lucifer, the name Lucifer is in the King James Bible. Try to find it in any other version. Just a challenge. Starting with verse 9 of Isaiah 14. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? This is talking about Satan. Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. You know, a worm like a caterpillar is, is in its state of not becoming perfect or complete. A caterpillar one day will become a butterfly. So the spirits of people thrown into hell, they don't have their bodies anymore. That's just a picture of hell and spirits being all around each other uh, down in this uh, 
pit in the grave. Here's where it gets good. 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Now, the NIV will say something about a bright morning star, which is a name for Jesus. It was why Bob, in, in that Bible school, uh, study class over at the jail, that's why we were in Revelation 22. That's where Jesus is called the bright morning star. Well, most versions of the Bible, especially the NIV, it will say right here, instead of Lucifer, it'll say bright morning star. That is a name for Jesus. What does Satan want? To be worshipped. He wants to be like the Most High. And if you can find somebody who will change the Bible and take Lucifer out and put a reference to Jesus in its place, you're calling him deity. That's what he wants. And he's laughing about it. But the King James Bible doesn't make that mistake. His name is Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Shame on him. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of, the, of his prisoners? Wait a minute. That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? Maybe, just maybe, when Satan tried to be like the Most High and ascend above the stars of God, he was cast out along with a third of the angels. What a horrific event that was. And it, the world was made like a wilderness. A wilderness would be a bad place to be, like a desert would be. It's, it's just nothing there to sustain you. Something happened to the earth that caused it to go from its perfect state when God first created it in the beginning, whenever that was, to the time we open up our Bibles and it's in total chaos. So you open up your Bibles, you get this general statement that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and then it says, and the, or it, was, it was all messed up. It's weird. I mean, how could it get that way? It says that, and the earth was without form, and void, and darkness, darkness was upon the face of the deep. Well, that's not a perfect state. So that's why I always thought that, okay, God created it perfect, and then it be, some, for some reason it became chaotic. It was of no use whatsoever. Anything that was built on the earth prior, anything that was... Uh... Now listen, getting back to that gap theory thing, there will be definitions that you will come up with that will say that it's the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing right now is I'm making the earth created maybe a billion years ago so that I can allow for all the geological ages that have happened over time. There are date day-age theory, there's revelation theory. 
Revelation theory is, well, Moses is writing this and God is just recounting the millions of years it took to, to form the earth so that you can see evolution. You know, it, it, we can kind of match it up with evolution. I'm not doing that at all. I want to make sure you understand. And anybody listening to this on CD, I'm sure this CD will be handed out to some people. You should hear what this guy's saying. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. In the six days of creation, it was six 24-hour days. And, it, and it's not, to me, it's recreation. It's reconstruction. There was construction. Then there was, for some reason, destruction, which I think has to do with Satan being knocked out of heaven. And it knocked planets off their axis. Look at our solar system. It's in a wreck. There's planets that are sitting upside down. How they figured that out, I don't know, because I'm not into all that stuff, but that's what I've been told. The earth is tilted. But there are planets that are actually, they say that it used to be straight up, but now they are turned like this and they're spinning upside down. Okay, something happened to cause destruction, and then God is fixing everything and getting it prepared for man. He's starting over with a new race called humans. Started with Adam. Okay? Now, think about the earth in that state of formless, void, and dark. It sounds to me like an unsaved person today. You're formless, you're void, and it's dark. And God needs to do a work on you for regeneration. Man was made perfect in the Garden of Eden, and he, he fell. He sinned. And then he was going to die in his sins unless God saved him. The earth reminds me of an unregenerate sinner who needs... What's the next part? Who needs... What happens after it says, on the face of, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We need the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to convict us, right? The Spirit of God is going to come over because if you are an unregenerate sinner, you can't make any good choices for yourself. You know, you just, you, we didn't love God, but He loved us first, right? We love God because He first loved us. The Holy Spirit goes out and convicts people. And then something miraculous happens. Light and darkness separates. You won't be with the dark crowd anymore. When that happens, the moment you believe, then you are light. I want you to think about the firmament. The waters separated from the waters. The waters that stay down low, they'll go to the lowest point. A drop of water... It runs off, goes to the creek, flows into the river, flows to the ocean. It will keep going to the lowest point it can find. But what about the waters that were separated from the waters that are now our atmosphere? They say it's unbelievable. It's about the same amount of water in the heavenlies as there is in the oceans. And it's suspended. When you are saved, you're no longer... A person who wants to go to the bottom, 
who is going down and down and down in your ways of doing things, but you're like the water who has been evaporated. You've been changed by the sun out of a physical being into a spiritual being, and you've been raised up to the heavenlies. The story of creation is a story of each and every one of us. And after day three, it's complete. Day three, we're complete when when you look at creation. And then days four, five, and six are, you you can put that as, Becoming so-called sanctified, you know, and growing, you know, growth. You, you're, as soon as you, the light is separated from darkness, and you are separated, like the like the water separated from the waters. You are heaven bound. You are a spiritual person, not a carnal person anymore, and you now begin to grow in your faith. You start producing fruit, and then all the other things that come along with it. Uh, all right. I got to read something else. I got I got to finish up the uh, what I do with my other Bible. Oh, it's right here. All right, Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel. Our time has run out. All right, e- uh, Ezekiel twenty-eight. And this is not many verses. And I, I want to. I, I just want to. I want you to see where Satan. Cause I got to. I got to finish up on that point. People listen on the CD. If I don't at least get to this part, I'm like, this guy's crazy. Okay? In Ezekiel 28, starting with verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, and the workmanship of thy tambrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. That's one amazing king, isn't it? This is the, the king of Tyrus. Has the king of Tyrus been in the garden of God? Nope. <laughs> Was the king of Tyrus... Satan, when in Genesis 3, he tempted Eve. He was a spirit form. Eve could not see him. But this case right here, when it says king of Tyrus, he's talking to Satan himself. Satan has to be inside of somebody to do what he wants to do. He has to manipulate a person. A demon-possessed person is being used by demons. Satan himself, and I can make some pretty good guesses on some actual people that we can name through, through history that he might have been actually using. I mean, Herod the Great would be one. Adolf Hitler would be one. I mean, I could name some people that if they didn't have Satan himself in them, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but when when... Satan shows up in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve are there. He can't be seen. He has to get inside of a beast to be able to manipulate the vocal cords to say something to her and for her to be able to see him. He was a beast. And then he was changed to be you know, on his belly, right? This isn't talking about that garden. This is before he fell. 
or as he was falling, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, and you would have seen him, and you would have seen all these precious stones on him, and he was a praise and worship leader by his tambrets and thy pipes. It was part of him. He was a walking, like a walking organ, piano, singing and making music. That's what he was. Also, he had the face of an ox. You know that? Lucifer. If you saw him in his perfect condition, his face would look like what we would see on a cow today. You can get that. I'm not going to tell you now. Maybe we'll get into it. You remind me and I'll show you. You've got to read Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel chapter 10 and 28 right here. You've got to see the four faces of the cherubim, and then you've got to see how it's presented in chapter 10, and then I can show you where Satan's face was like an ox. Why do you think they broke off the golden earrings and melted them down and made the calves to worship? Why do you think people dress up like the devil on Halloween and they put a ring in their nose and they have a red pointy tail? Because it looks kind of like a cow. And every time you do that, Satan is thanking you for it. Thank you for my image being given to people and y'all are, you know, thinking of me. Don't give him the time of day. Okay. Uh, Thou art the anointed cherub. That's the key verse when you go back to Ezekiel 10 and look at the four faces in Ezekiel 10 of the cherubim. The face of the ox will be left out and it'll be replaced by the face of a cherub. There, there's your answer. And I have set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. You ever heard of drug trafficking? He was in the business of merchandising and trafficking when he was on the earth way before the earth was destroyed the way we see it in verse 2 of Genesis. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Now, does it make sense? You ever ask yourself, when did Satan fall? It had to be before Adam and Eve were created and put in the garden. Sometime before that, we don't know. But by reading Ezekiel, by reading Isaiah, you can, I can show you where Satan used to be glorified. He was perfect in the way he was created till iniquity was found in him. But before that, he walked around on this earth. It was called Eden, and something happened to cause all this mess. And that's where the Bible opens up for us. We don't need to know all the details from the past, but we do need to at least understand what I've just preached to you today so that you can confidently say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
And you know that Satan fell before, caused all the mess, so that you have total confidence in what the Word of God says. So you can answer a person who comes to you and says, well, I'm a scientist. I've studied geology. I've done this. I've done that. And you can say, yeah, there were dinosaurs before. The earth can be however old you want it to be. The Bible just doesn't tell me how old it is. What happened before this really doesn't matter. If it mattered, God would have let me know in the Bible. Next time, we're going to go through the, every, the each day, and we're going to look what I did a little bit. I gave you a little bit of a, a hint today of how it matches up with each and every one of us in our sinful state, how we are regenerated, and what goes after that. So, two weeks, we'll continue with this. Thank you for listening. I hope we got enough room on the CD. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that, if anything, that people who will be stirred up to get into the word for themselves to find these things out. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who would trust your word without a doubt. That we will be confident and we will be able to answer any man who has a question. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.